1: we're rolling.
0: Why are you acting like this is our first time recording a podcast?
1: Well, my brain function right now is like 70%, your brain function so is like airport so terminal. Right it's now. it's six airplanes in forty eight hours. Yeah. So you know it's what Brendan Burchard bit, says? Take a ice bath.
0: <laughs> no, he says the power plant doesn't have energy; it generates it. Cool,
1: Ooh. isn't that good? It's a good. It's a good. It's a good quote. It's a good <laughs> quote, and I feel like I feel like that's kind of apropos, Adamov. I think something you shared recently regarding. Uh, parenthood where Mm. What, what the heck did you – this was a few days ago. You said something about like it unlocks – and I'm paraphrasing. Please, please, please oh, give there me the are, there are There's lat- different levels of, of energy and focus and and will that you can access. You said something? To there think? are also like latent superpowers. That's what you said. Latent superpowers as okay. a parent. Oh, I like that.
0: I want to I wanna that this can, to be the title of not, our episode, Latent Superpowers okay. Unlocked. With
1: Adam <laughs> <laughs> <Unlocked>. <laughs> Unlocking your latent superpowers. Yes. That is the title of this episode. You know what's funny,
0: though, is a lot of times – We'll say out loud, like, that's the title of this episode. And then, like, our podcast team picks a completely different title for whatever reason. Maybe it's just not good (laughs) SEO, but...
2: I was listening to your episode with Justin, and that was... (sighs) I loved how that was always a touch point in the whole conversation. I was like, that's, what, yeah, that's the name of this episode. It's like.
0: <laughs> but yet it wasn't. I don't <laughs> no. think any of those titles were chosen. Because they're like, SEO reigns
1: supreme, but we want the word superpowers in there. But
0: at least it's acknowledged. That was a good episode. And to the listener, if you haven't listened to that, I think it's episode 30. It's called The Power of Yes.
1: With Justin We will link to that
0: in the show notes, which are at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com in the podcast section which I did recently update. And I'm I'm becoming very proud of how the podcast website looks. So if you have not looked at the site, now is a great opportunity. But if you haven't been there in a little while, you get to go and see a, a new refresh as of the time we're recording.
1: I also want to give a shout out to the breadth and depth of the links in the show notes
0: oh because jason's because you've been doing uh, those jason uh, you want a pat uh, on the back uh,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> little like igno- thank you thank you adam thank well, you but that's a good it's that. a good <laughs> reminder <laughs> that
0: <laughs> it's a good <laughs> reminder is a that show, <laughs>
1: yes. so. it's, it is it's, very, it's a symmetrical show it's yes. a good it's a good triangle here
0: it's just a good <laughs> reminder that If you're listening to the show and you're curious about anything we talk about, such as Adam, you want to know more about what he's doing and posting online, you can find all those links at WellEvator.com. Technically, if you want to go direct to it, it's podcast.WellEvator.com. Let's be real. But if you could even just look up on Google, this might get uncomfortable and you'll find it. So it's really not that challenging. So
1: speaking of uncomfortable, the parent thing. (laughs) coming back to that because i think it's such first of all as whitney and i have both disclosed on this podcast we we've talked about um families and romance and love and and the prospect of parenthood but the only person in the room currently is you mr yasmin who has a lovely, incredible daughter and uh, a beautiful partner in your life. You, you know how much adoration and love I have for you guys. I consider you family. Mm-hmm. And it's been a, um, an interesting thing to observe your journey as a father mm-hmm. and a co-parent with your beautiful daughter. But you said these latent superpowers. What, is, what does that mean when you say latent superpowers? Because the word latent Im- implies these are things that are stored deep within you or buried or things mm-hmm. that maybe you
2: haven't yet accessed fully. So what do you mean when you say that? I mean, without without being an expert, I don't feel like I'm an expert on anything these days. Have which you is,
0: listened to that? That's another episode we did actually about is anybody an is expert? anybody an expert? That's do you a think good, is anybody oh my an gosh, expert?
2: Is anybody an expert? Well, starting with yourself, I think it's more. I think it's entertaining, you know, to listen to experts.
0: But it, but are people really expert? Is it possible to be an expert? I or believe. What, I guess it depends on your definition. I think. What's your definition? I think of you
2: may have a lot of experience with something that experience may may span a decade or decades and I don't so I'm going I'm mm-hmm. going to invest time in listening to and hearing what you have to say about a subject for instance we're going to jump all kinds of topics I Actually, have, do have I these. have 10 plus years of experience with this really niche exceptionally rare tea microverse called gongfu cha so to someone else who has absolutely no context, I may be a tea expert.
0: Mm. Um, oh, it's maybe it's about context.
2: Maybe it's about expertise. context. Yeah,
0: or it could be like ten thousand hours, as Malcolm Gladwell says.
2: Right. Who knows? I like I like Malcolm
0: Gladwell. So I, I. Also,
1: if I may interject, because we're being tangential, who the hell's keeping track? I've got this note in my iPhone. I'm at 9,997 hours. Three more hours, I'm going to be an expert. I mean, I'm Plus, calling kind of bullshit on it And right that, now. that book kind was, of
0: was sadly already a bit outdated because I, I felt like when I I read that book in 2010, I think. So it must have been out. So it's been out for at least 10 years. And- our definitions of experts have changed so much, especially our, with the online world. People call themselves experts kind after of,
2: a weekend seminar. <laughs> exactly. I mean, our benchmarks today are very different than they were. Yes, ten years. Five ago. years ago, ten years ago mm-hmm. plus. I mean, I went to a. Weekend I went, seminar. I went to. <laughs> I, For went to I went to. I went to. Well, I, you know what? Hold on a second. <laughs> Wait, Adam, are you about to drop a bomb here? Hours? How many hours? Let's let's. I don't know. While we're sitting here, how many hours? I'm pulling out the calculator. Of, let's let's do it. How many hours of tea ex- exploration, tea drinking, tea tasting have I? engaged in Steep them. myself in Ste- it gets Ooh. so punny it's way too funny no, no you did it and it was good it we gets love really funny we love things like how many hours if I think if I span across 11 years
0: okay so 11 years how many hours are in
2: let's so let's say on average I, like I need, I need a,
0: like a advanced calculator for this let's see let's be really hours.
2: conservative and say an hour a day
0: love doing things like that so, this. so that would be 30, 365
2: hours. If it's an hour 365 day. hours times 11. 11. There you go. Okay,
0: see, Jason Jason even mm-hmm. doesn't even need a calculator. Mm-hmm. And that's a really conservative
2: because <laughs> some days I'm sitting for the, yeah. five but hours. Did you know
0: that there's 8,760 hours in a calendar year? Do you guys think that's a lot or a little? 8,760 That would be hours. less than
1: I would have expected. If you would have asked me to pull a number straight out of thin air, it w- I would have guessed probably over 10,000.
0: So that means 10,000 hours, if you, if you spent every single hour of the year working on your craft, it would take you just over a year, but, but that's discounting sleeping, so you'd have to kind of... Ah, uh,
1: sleep schmeep.
0: You'd have to... Oh, please. That's another thing
2: about <laughs> paranoid, sleep becomes very relative. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, just to... So, okay, so let's go back... To your first question. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Because we're jump. I'm feeling. We feel like we're. I'm jumping, and I'm happy to jump around. Jump up. Jump up and get down. But anyway.
0: It's okay. Just just one quick little thing to finish this yes, off. Yes. 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 Is if you devote three hours per day.
2: An hour a day. Yes, or three hours a day.
0: Okay. So let's. But if you devoted three hours per day, which yes. is you're approximately. Yes. A little over nine years to reach ten thousand hours. So if you're only yeah. able to do, one hour a day. That's that a, would take you twenty-seven years 27 to reach years. ten thousand hours. Okay, let's
2: be real. It's been, <laughs> I definitely uh, yeah. So like, if we're going to talk about ten thousand hours, what a strange,
0: isn't it interesting?
2: Arbitrary number. It isn't it. no,
0: but it's not. If you the book actually yes. outlines why he believes that, like it's it's based in data. It's not it. some random number he picks. Yeah. I like and and I again, if if you guys wanted to, but then like you look it up, it's kind of like. Anything else that comes out for a while, people want to disprove it. Like the first article is, why the 10,000 hour rule is wrong. How to really master a That's skill. Just, <laughs>
2: that, and that, you, you, that title is just, it's all, everything to me sounds clickbaity. Yes. Everything yes. is, pay attention to me. Yep. I have something to say. I want to refute something. That's it's kind why of like I'm, having
0: a kid, right?
2: Well, I mean, we're in such a particular phase right now. Like our daughter is four and a half-ish.
0: And also, like one of the cutest kids I've ever seen in my Thank life, you. I must say. Right, she Jason? She is really. Jason's obsessed with her.
2: She's really something.
0: He's at a loss for about... words. He's he lo- <laughs> like he's not even nodding his head. That's immediately. A like That's... he's
2: no. You guys did great work. There's something about you guys. You guys did. You, guys like did, you, go- movie.
1: you, you go- She's one of those children, and then I want to. I want to let you continue, Adam. <laughs> uh, she's one of those kids that. Hmm, there's very few kids that I meet and it, it seems like we are in that age range where a lot of our friends are having children. Yes. Right? It's just for, for the three of us, Whitney, Adam and myself, it and happens. maybe some of the listeners. It's just, we're in that, we're in that age range. People be popping out babies. She's one of those rare kids to me that there is just something of her essence and her personality and her spirit. That is, I don't know that I've ever described it before. Your daughter, she, she's just, she's one of those children. Okay. I'll, I'll just say it like this, that I'm like, if I could have one, if I could be guaranteed one like that, I'd consider it.
0: <laughs> I love how you act like that's a new thought. He's, I can't even tell you that's, how many no, times. said no, 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 It's no, I not, you. not, it's I like, you, it's I not a you.
1: new thought. It's just, I was trying to, I was trying to describe <laughs> yeah. her, but I think the best way is there's you're just, you're trying a, to pin it right now. There's, I mean, there's a can... resonance and a beauty yeah. and a, and a, a freedom and a joy that is not necessarily present in every child that I meet. There's just something uniquely resonant
2: about how I like being around that. Uh, she's just, she's wonderful. That's she, all. Thank you. Yeah. It's, you know, and, It's so interesting to be able to respond slowly to not a comment, like praise like that. And say, like, there's a lot of work that goes into parenthood that, like, you, no one will ever know until they are in the crucible themselves. Yeah, there's a couple of cliches people throw around, like you lose a lot of sleep and you're totally exhausted and it's really frustrating and it's really challenging and sometimes it's very scary and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And yet the rewards are A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But to look at her through the eyes of a friend, you know, or through the eyes of our community and to receive that praise is, yeah, there's a certain kind of like yeah, there's a certain, like, je ne sais quoi. I don't know know what the word is, because there's no fucking word for it, but, yeah, it feels it's really lovely to hear, because I, I, to me, I, I go into, like, everything that's happened up until right now, you know, of, like, months of crazy, not exactly sleep. Not that it was torturous, but, you know, it's like having a newborn and then an infant and then, and then, like, the phase of, like, toddler, toddlerhood is, like, quite long, and dealing with the minefield of your own childhood life trauma your parents your your ex you know the the ex- extended family the society you live in the neighborhood you live in you know what you're dealing with maybe on a daily basis and i'm going on a really weird tangent right now but to respond to you and to say thank you because you've you've been around enough we've you came to Maui with us. You spent like, you know, like a week or two on Maui with us. You saw her at like two and like like the sort of the pinnacle of like toddler. And you, you've you spent enough time with us to know like what our parenting style is like, mm-hmm. which I don't know how to speak about it in like in terms of like we are like this. Like I don't think it's so easily categorized or like we kind of, you know, adhere to certain labels. But I think there is a lot to be said about yeah, my God, like praising parents for whatever job they're able to do in terms of raising kids because it's really, really confronting. And this can go in any number of branches into like other topics. But we, from the get-go, we were like, we're not going to talk to our kid like she's a like a a dog or a doll or something where it's like you change your tone of voice and you kind of talk like this to like a baby. That's like not to dog on that but we really were, we were, I, at least I was, I can't really speak for, for Pam, but I know that for myself, I was very sensitive and aware to like how I was communicating with or attending to or listening to, you know, my kid. And honestly, I want to like kind of pat myself on the back for a second here. I think looking back now at the now nearly five years of choosing to be close to home, choosing a freelance life as fucked up as freelance life is like right now. For me, I'm not speaking objectively, I'm only speaking subjectively, but making all these choices, even though some choices for me are damaging, you know, and, and in some respects damaging to myself, like accruing debt or not working enough or not saving enough, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, always choosing to be as close to her as possible and as present as possible. I think that's something that is maybe not so apparent like when you meet her and you're, you're, you're commenting about your interactions with her, your experience of her. But I feel like that a lot of that is there that is not able to really speak to. And, and I say that as someone who's like, you know, been like abandoned by his dad mm. um, at a really ripe age, not that young, but like, Somewhere between, like, 9 and 12. And I don't have a ton of, like, early memories of my childhood. Memories start to become vivid, like, after, like, 6 or 7. So, it's not like I didn't have a childhood at all. I just maybe seem to, like, be keeping early childhood memories, like, locked away or something. Maybe stored away or stowed away. And Is
0: that part of what you feel like has been unlocked as a parent?
2: Well, I, I what can I say? It's you know the experience of being a parent to my daughter from the beginning until now as is has been a way for me to form a new relationship with my early memories and you know whatever it was that was challenging or traumatic, which is just particular to my family story to be able to see her and accept her as she is and to always choose to be like super close, like not just physically, but like close and and we're interacting and we're talking and and I'm accessible, you know, like that's really the biggest thing for me coming from the memories of my childhood is like both my parents seem to have been like inaccessible. Physically, emotionally or both? I think emotionally and and, well, both, you know, I think with my mother emotionally as someone who herself was dealing with a shit ton of childhood and adolescent trauma. And with my dad physically, because he physically wasn't around before he abandoned us, not to diminish that. That's actually very real. He was not really around. He was like constantly traveling or like in and out of the house. Um, So there wasn't a lot of like physical memory with him. And so remembering all of that or like thinking about all of that, or maybe even like focusing on certain aspects of it is always what's what has been my inner, like my beacon of how I want to parent? I want to parent my kid based on everything that I experienced as a child, or right, As an as an adolescent, and not to say like all oh, every choice that I've made or that we've made has resulted in Cora being who she is. She's she is herself, and but I like to think that that's all. All those variables are there.
1: <laughs> is 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 then this process of being a parent and parenting. Do you feel that that's accelerated your healing and transformation process as a result of looking at the family trauma, looking at what you went through and not only saying, okay, I'm not, I know what not to do per se. I hear that a lot of like, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing as a parent, but I know what not to do because of what I went through, right? But beyond that, do you feel like she's been an accelerative force or being a parent has been an accelerative force to have that mirror of maybe even deeper layers of trauma or hurt you weren't aware of and yeah. exhuming those and looking at
2: those? Yeah. Has I, it been a catalyst for that? It's definitely been a catalyst. It's, it's made it very real to the point where by the time she wasn't even yet two, by the time she was like one and a half, my relationship with my mother and her husband, my stepdad, is that how that works? was so toxic for like that's a whole nother podcast episode i will touch on it because i feel like i talk i'm an open book about it but it was so toxic that like after like 10 years of toxic relationship and like being gaslit like by her um by them particularly her um as a parent to a one and a half year old i was like this this is i can't do this anymore like my my well-being is on the rocks you know i felt like i already developed you know, not being an expert on PTSD. I was already developing, by that point, like PTSD responses to like being gaslit on the telephone mm. or in person, or I would like...
0: Can you just describe your definition of gaslighting just for people that either have, don't really know the term that well or, or just to clarify what you mean and what your experience has been with that?
2: Yeah, I don't know if I have a textbook definition. Like gaslighting means when someone maybe other than if i would if i would look at it from an outside perspective you know because it's so experiential if i look at it objectively i could say when someone is telling you you're crazy and you believe them that's Mm -hmm. basically like the core Mm -hmm.
0: fundamental
2: of what what, meaning
0: like either you're uh, not actually crazy but they're convincing you or you might be crazy you might not be but you believe them yeah
2: someone is telling you that you're wrong Mm -hmm. or you're experience or your reality is wrong and that they and then they make you like feel bad about it
0: yeah
2: in my experience it was like it was the same script almost the same encore performance of of particular to my mother it was like rooted in her like unable to be empathetic to her children rooted in like victim identity your father did this to me and then it evolved into you did this to me because of choices that I made as an adult wanting to have a connection with my family or my father because there's a whole family on on, you know his side that lives in like uh, Israel and so choosing to be connected to people when they're still around and they're not like a danger to my life uh, meant that I was a traitor because I should have been avenging so in her script it was like You should have been avenging me because of the pain I endured or like the suffering I endured, like raising you, my sons and like making these choices to like, you know, live where we were living, how we were living, like giving you like guys like the bedroom while I would sleep on the couch, like those kind of like, it's like, you know, it's like the lashes on the back kind of thing and figuring out as an adult, like what to do with that guilt because it was very much like you're telling me i should feel guilty
0: was it shame
2: it was there were yeah i would Mm -hmm. say definitely aspects of shame not like you should be ashamed but like you're you know it's like you're a traitor for not doing what i want you to do you're doing you know and it was never worded as though like as though um she would say like um you're pursuing your happiness on your terms and that makes me feel bad because i have feelings about it it was just like you should be doing this and you know it was always so dramatic which has led me to be like this creature of comfort and like absolute maintaining homeostasis and balance of like i don't get too excited and i don't want to get too upset i want to just find my like
0: that's your like survival mode it's my it's absolutely
2: a survival mechanism
0: can i ask you a question about this yeah because i often wonder i think I think as adults, it's very common to reflect back on the way that we are parented. It, yeah. If if we're interested in in personal development, I think some people don't think about these things simply because that's part of their survival mode. If they think about it too much, it it brings up too much pain. And you know, that's part of the theme of this podcast is encouraging people to get uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable to examine the way that we are brought up. It's uncomfortable to unlock painful memories from our childhood. It's hard to do that too. I mean. I want. I really enjoy doing those things. Uh, I'm I'm kind of on a quest, like to go back and like find the roots of my own suffering, or or to read book. Like I, you know, in one episode we talked about epa.
1: Didn't start with you. Yes. Is it the book you're thinking of? What is
0: it called again? Um, I always want. I I get insecure about saying epa. It's epigenetics. Oh, epigenetics. Epigenetics. Yeah. That that
1: this this book was again around how our lineage and our family through not only their experience but their stored trauma and their unexamined pain um, can pass that genetically or energetically both
2: um, through family lines through generations i've i've seen something like i've seen a topic like that come through in the media in this particular format of like if you are the descendants of like holocaust survivors that That's shit is touched. probably written in your DNA. And you don't even know. Absolutely. 100%, 100%. Yeah. I've, I've,
0: I've heard a lot of people. It's just like the type of content I'm bringing into my consciousness lately. But that Holocaust reference actually does come up a lot in a, in a lot of the books that I'm reading. So I started to believe that it's true. And I think it's interesting because reading that gave me more compassion for my parents. Right? Yes. Because I think Same. sometimes when we're in pain our our knee jerk reaction is to blame. And I've certainly gone gone through that. When I felt pain based on my parents parenting I want to blame them but then it's like okay well maybe that was the result of their parents right so not only is it passed down through actual behavior and experiences but who knows how much of it is passed down through DNA it's the nature versus nurture question right 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 and I, I'm my question for for you Adam being the, the only parent and on this podcast at the moment <laughs> Meaning like this podcast episode, we've had mm-hmm. a, other parents on the show, but I think,
1: right? We have, we have. Who else was
0: a parent on it you know
1: James we've had on. Oh, right. Leaf has James. been on. Yep, Justin definitely. you've had on. Justin, exactly. Yep. Okay, many, great. Many, many wonderful parents, parents We will to link
0: to each of their episodes yes. in the show notes of this episode if you want to hear more. Because I think it just comes up in any conversation sure, with a parent. It it's a big part of their life. So my question based on this is, now that you're a parent, Does that give you more compassion and understanding? Is there moments where you feel it coming up? Like for me, the only experience that I've had thus far is my parenting with my dog, right? When I, those moments of rage that I felt when she doesn't do the things that I've wanted her to do or she's done something that goes against me and the way that I react to her. I'll, sometimes I'll have this conscious awareness of going, "Wow, those are the things that I didn't like when my parents did that to me, and here I am doing it." So part of it is we're being trained by our parents. That's just a natural thing. Like, mm-hmm. but the way that people treat us, if we're around it long enough, we may start to think that that's acceptable, or or they're our role models. So we just think that's the way that you handle these situations when you're the parental figure or whatever, right? As, as sometimes we feel like when we're with our animals, right? And I, I often wonder if I do become a parent, like how will I show up? and What patterns will I be? <laughs> you
2: have no idea how it's going to manifest. That's the craziest part about it. You can, you can like yourself, you could be as self-aware as you can be. You can know yourself as well as you think you know yourself and yet some shit will come up and you're just like, you will be floored. And you will be faced with, like, great, here's another, like, Mount Everest to take on.
0: Which makes it a gift. I mean, to me, from a very selfish, ego-based reasoning, it's like, it's exciting to be a parent because I'm like, what else about me can I unlock? And then I have to step back and go, okay, parenting is not just about me and my, getting my needs met, right? Right. And I, I think that's an important awareness too, is I mm-hmm. feel like it's interesting. Parenting to me is super fascinating, especially the older I get, and mm-hmm. it becomes more pressing as a woman to make mm-hmm. that decision. And so, which is
2: so unfair. <laughs> it's so unfair that society, we do that as a culture. It is. Where is that for guys? Well,
1: oh, whew, okay. This is now we're unlocking something real. But I want to interrupt you. Jason's sorry, is yeah, also yeah, yeah. Put, put, a yeah, I, I'll put a pin in that. I,
0: as as Jason's friend, I also see, you know, it's coming up a lot too because Jason's dating women Who feel like the clock's ticking. So I feel like it does come up for guys in some way because, you know, especially in men that I've dated as I've gotten older, I feel like the pressure's on them as well is like, is this woman gonna encourage me to have children with her? You know, there's that fear I think that a lot of men have is, oh, I better be clear that I don't want kids or I'm not ready for, you know, it's like dating is also really interesting. Mm. I'm fascinated by all sorts of elements of parenting from the outside because, you know, you see people that just wanna have kids and you're like, why do you wanna have children? And sometimes they don't even know why, right? Like we're not always, we're not, I think most people don't even have the tools to practically sit down and think about why do they wanna have kids beyond like biology or beyond the cultural conditioning and family. Mm -hmm. Like my mom puts a lot of pressure on me To have children, because mm-hmm. she wants them for her own reasons, yeah, yeah. right? I but want that grandkids. Is- exactly. like,
2: that, oh, I got. I mean, I got that script as well. I mean, that was something I was dealing with as well, personally.
0: It's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, having children is it. I feel like a lot of people just grow up thinking that they're just going to have kids, right? Like that's just many how it people goes. do,
2: and some people don't. And I think I think it's important that we, as a parent, it's important to accept everyone's, God, like they have to defend their reason. You know, Mm. some people are like, hey, it's a costly issue. Hey, there's an environmental issue. Hey, why birth a child when there are children in need who need parents? That that was very real.
0: Jason, I, I feel like with you, you didn't really have this idea that you were, it wasn't like a given. Jason was actually one of the few men that I dated who was like, had a very conscious awareness of it like he was just like I don't know if I want to have kids I mean when we were dating that came up very early on in our relationship and I was like what do you mean you don't want to have you know like it was a time for me to to step back and think like huh because I felt like a lot of my life experience personally and in relationships was very much like it was a given or very likely and Jason was like I don't know if I want to have kids and I st- he still thinks about it. So, Jason, what has happened in your life that's made it you lean more towards not having children than to have them?
1: There's a lot of factors to this. And I think if we go back to me exhuming the trauma of my childhood and, and, also, and also healing a lot of it, there's still, I mean, God knows how many layers to it. But in, in the things that I've been able to consciously look at and belief systems that as a young child I created to institute my own meaning around events, traumatic events. It was this idea that um, my mom and dad were happy and balanced and having a great life. And then I came around and that's when the problem started. So I made a very young association that they were doing great. How young did you, how young was that association? Probably, I mean, I'd have to say like three years old. Very young. Okay. of, Of just this idea of seeing pictures of them taking trips around the world and doing all these fun things. And then... I'm here and now they're fighting. Mm -hmm. I'm here and now there's physical violence. I'm here. Now there's, I I just remember as I exhumed these through therapy, like realizing that I had created meaning around these events because I needed to contextualize it in my very young brain. And the meaning I created was this is happening because of me. They were great before I, and of course, through therapy and talking to my mom and, and really understanding what was happening, I've been able to unravel that very deep, tight knot and understand, yeah, that wasn't the case. But as a kid, it was like, what's the variable here? They were happy and fun and traveling the world and doing all these great things, and I come around and I'm everything goes to shit. So it's been this deep, deep, deep unraveling of a neural network that my child brain created of, I'm the variable here. I'm the one who fucked it up. So the association was um, you have kids and relationships, romantic relationships go to shit. They fuck everything up. Like, that's been a deep, deep set belief that I've had to unravel and look at. Mm -hmm. But, you know, beyond the healing with that and looking at that, I think it's been a much more practical thing in the sense of like, um, you know, looking at, you know, the say, say the cost of raising a child over, you know, 18, 20, 25 years, the the lifespan of a child going like, holy shit.
2: It's been calculated.
1: How the fuck, do I even handle that? Mm-hmm. Um, especially living in a place like Los Angeles with the cost of living being what it is. It's like, how the hell is that even gonna happen? That, that's from a more practical standpoint. And you touched it on it too, Adam, is is thinking about resources and thinking about um, the the sometimes ethical dubiousness of pondering resource allocation by bringing another person to the world. And then there's the higher spiritual thing of like, Whether you're planning it or not, sometimes it's like, oh, this being wants to come through you. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, taking it away from the cerebral, traumatic brain processing of all this and the neural networks of of talking about god universe spirit of um perhaps there is this this being non-physical that wants to be in this reality that's like i'm coming through you guys whether you like it or not and that goes into a whole nother thing about soul contracts and i mean i don't know that we want to go down that road but you asked me whitney about like <laughs> I, I well, I, th- I think there's a mystical. I think there's a mystical, magical aspect of the sense that we don't really know what we are, or where we came from. We don't. We say, oh, we're human beings. We're Homo sapiens. There's, there's this thing. We actually don't know. We really don't. And there's a zygote, and there's a sperm, and there's a, like we're, our our understanding of what we are and where we actually come from is very limited. So there's a mystical aspect to all of this yeah. that I also am aware of. I'm yeah. like, dude, what is creation? Where do yeah. we even come from? Yeah. Who cre- What created this? What is the consciousness that makes all of this happen? Then I go into that
2: realm. Boy, I mean, this is a deep, deep rabbit hole that I ponder a lot. Sure, I feel like I've talked to you about it, not excessively, but like a lot, in, in the twelve. 12- thousand years we've known each other <laughs> um i'm gonna say something though and just in in, a, in an initial response to sure. what you're saying which is everything that you've just said is super important given the context of your life and who you are and one of my favorite things about parenthood to be able to talk about it now in reflection in this context is you don't matter that much <laughs> The story doesn't matter that much you know why because there's someone else who came through and you get to care for someone else it's like it's like beyond it's like and i have similar you know i don't i don't have your life so i don't have the same kind of um same exact association right but you know like my parents divorcing you know i was what i was 12 when it actually finally happened i mean but like after years of like contentious fucking brutal behavior and they're both like capricorns they're both like this whatever the hell this is butting like heads butting constantly. heads like this they're the same you know like alpha personality or just trying to butt heads and so there was there was an aspect of it like going into adolescence of like this shit is is it my fault is it our fault i don't know i mean he disappeared and then our, you know my dad left for he was out of the picture for 10 years like being ghosted Like, were we ghosted for 10 years? Like, what exactly was going on there? Anyway, there's a lot more to say about that in terms of the story. But the thing about becoming a dad that has continually blown my mind to this moment is, like, you don't fucking... It doesn't matter. That story, my story, does it actually doesn't matter that much in, like, the grand scheme of things. It's important to work through. It's important to be aware of. But to be able to, like deal with the story through caring for someone else that's been mm. the most amazing and challenging part of this whole experience
1: Well, the, the, the pin that i want to get back to mm-hmm. is 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 this idea um f- for all of us of predetermined roles mm. and Whitney and I talked about this in a previous episode talking about identity and titles and roles but I think it's relevant to bring up now in the sense that whether it's identifying them as a man or a woman in a partnership with a child because that's what mm-hmm. we're riffing on right now getting into this concept of purpose and career and money and support and the paradigm you know that i grew up you know being raised by a single mom working you know three and four jobs at a time to me it almost imprinted this extra pressure or idea that if i ever were to become a parent with my partner that i need to step up cuz my dad didn't so there's this extra pressure not only based on what i observed in growing up with a single mother working literally 3 and 4 jobs at a time to make ends meet because she was the only source of income but stereotypical old school western imprinting of the man goes out grinds himself into the ground to make ends meet so that the wife can stay home, stay home raise, raising the kids that old old patriarchal p- paradigm of mm-hmm. man goes out works his ass off you never see your dad mm-hmm. because he's always out working to make money mm-hmm. and and that aspect of it too and and I I bring this up for all of us because this idea of ought to should you know the man does this as a as a father the woman does this as a mother and and those deep seated imprints from not only what we've observed through the media but also perhaps the roles our parents played or didn't play and i bring that up adam because you you touched on your intentional choice to take freelance work as an artist um, being someone who facilitates gong fu uh, being a musician being a ux designer all of these multifaceted hydronic things you've done in freelancing but you made that choice to be like okay Whatever role you think you're supposed to play, we can touch on that perhaps. You're like, I'm going to stay home and parent and be present, physically present with my daughter as much as possible. And in a way, you kind of subverted the Western cultural imprint of go out, get a nine to five and make as much money as possible to support this family. Go do that. And you chose not to do that. I I want to dig into that a little bit more because that's interesting.
2: It feels to me like, (laughs) it feels like a really selfish thing to do
0: what what, does? what do you mean
2: my 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 like my choices of like to to not work so hard to not play it safe to not have like a really good savings going to accrue a lot of debt i'm now facing the really my only way to like balance a lot of the chaos that i've created for myself of like filing for chapter 7 bankruptcy to like alleviate the debt and to give myself to knock the microphone over and to give myself and my family an opportunity to like continue to build on whatever it is that I'm building or we're building smarter obviously not leaning on you know credit and that, those kinds of things but my choice of ch- uh, my my choosing freelancing feels like a one part reckless and one part selfish thing because because I have no safety net i have my my resources my connections my chosen family my family as well, even though I'm fully estranged from my mom and her husband. But so there's something like kind of beautiful and like, yeah, I've made these choices. And like, it feels great. Emotionally speaking, it's healing my childhood. It's healing aspects of trauma that I've been dealing with my whole life. And yet from a different angle, from a financial perspective, I am like, I feel like I'm, what is it? I'm like, you know, I'm like Mario in like Bowser's castle right now. There's fucking lava everywhere. I'm making it. I'm not making a joke out of this. I just thought I look kind of like a Mario brother right now, but um, kind of do? I kind of do, but, um, or like Wario or something, but <laughs> more um, Wario, more, but Wario. more Wario. He does have a more a beard, but the point I'm making is I am taking ownership of that. I'm not like living in denial of like, oh everything is fine. And so what if I have, you know,
0: but wouldn't, when- the flip side of that be that you are teaching your daughter a lot through that process because as you were talking I was thinking about my parents and how I remember so distinctly when they both quit their full-time jobs to work for themselves it was like a big turning point for me when I was I associated with being around 12 years old my parents, up until then, approximately, had been working in Boston for at quote unquote regular jobs nine to five jobs. I remember very distinctly growing up when they would drop me off at daycare and how I felt like a lot a lot I feel like there was there had to be emotional trauma, maybe even physical trauma. you know who knows what happened because i, I It wasn't that I started, I was going to daycare until I was about six years old, Mm -hmm. right? So there's so much that probably happened up until I was six years old. I, I may never know, right? Unless somebody told me or somehow I was able to remember it, which is frustrating for me. But I remember some vivid moments of being in daycare and just like not enjoying it as a kid. And then when my sister was born, my parents gave us the gift of having nannies. So I didn't have to go to daycare anymore. I got to stay home, but I still had a nanny. And then my parents both quit their jobs. I think it was around the same time. And they both started working from home and running their own businesses. And that impacted me in so many ways, which was A, they showed me that you didn't have to work for, you know, to have to, you didn't have to work for somebody else. You could start your own business, which was incredibly helpful for me, right? And they gave me that gift of being around. And what would my life have been like had I had that from when I was a little kid as opposed to just going to daycare, being cared for by somebody else. Like a lot of my my memories were that I, I didn't matter, mm. right? Like having, I feel like you guys are both having your own emotional experiences yeah. as I'm sharing this, was just so interesting because it, it, it seems like it's triggering stuff within both of you. So I'd love you to share, but you know, I, I haven't really even talked about this that much, but I do think about it. I think about there's some distinct, and I, you know what else too, is I have heard it from my parents a few times in my life the pain that they felt dropping me off at daycare. its real. Because they, I think, felt guilt for that. Mm. Like w- waking me up early in the morning. Like I remember those early mornings before the sun would come out, they'd have to drop me off at daycare so they could get to work in time. And I remember like listening to NPR and like the, the I associated NPR. Like I just didn't like it because I think as a little kid, NPR was like the signal that I would have to go to daycare, right? And so... I'm sure daycare was fine. I don't have any memory of like tra- actual trauma. Maybe there was some, I don't know. But like, I don't recall in this moment any trauma, but I think it was just the some longing. level of trauma. Like, yeah. The longing, longing for my for parents, parents <laughs> like, or being, ex- you know, ma- like woken up at five yeah. or 6 AM to be p- put in a car and taken to somebody else's home mm-hmm. and how all I wanted to do is go back to sleep. And I, I remember like, you know, for me, like, there's a very clear memory that both me and my parents remember of me like curling up in a ball in like this like plastic playhouse that that was at the um daycare. daycare and that's like I would I was like self-soothing by like curling up on my own in this like safe little shelter in the mornings before school, you know, and all this stuff, right? And we and I remember my parents describing that to me too in my adult age, like that pained them to Sure to see how I was reacting to that experience. Right? So I I got off on a bit of a, a mental tangent in myself that I don't remember exactly why I brought that up, but it was uh, I, the point is is that for you you seem pained for these choices, but I imagine most kids would feel so grateful to have their parent, at least one of their parents home with them. Like to me, that's such a gift. I see what you mean by feeling selfish about it, but I also feel like, As a child, they're so simple. Like your daughter may just, she probably doesn't know what's going on financially. No, (laughs) right? Like right now in her formative years, other than like I want this toy, and I'm
2: like, I can't do that right now. We could make something else, but you know, like that's as far as I go with like describing. Yeah.
0: But how many? Like looking back, each of us, I remember not being able to get toys that I wanted, but I don't think that scarred my life. Like if Mm. I if I was conscious enough to be able to have a choice, like hey, you could have any toy you wanted, but Dad's not going to be home. I think as a kid, you're like, I would so much rather be with dad than have the toy that I want, right? Like, so I just want to reflect that back to you and anybody else listening who might be able to relate to your pain is that I think it's a beautiful thing and financially we never know what's coming down the pipeline. And, you know, things are always shifting for us. and, And I think it's, I don't know if I would describe it as selfish, maybe like a sacrifice, right? You're choosing one thing for something else as we are with every aspect of our lives. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I also just want to say from my personal experiences, it was a gift when my parents chose to work for themselves despite any sacrifice that went on financially that I might not have been aware yeah. of.
2: Yeah, I, I love what you're sharing about those memories because you are able to look at objectively you're looking back at these memories of you of yourself with your family and there was there was something that needed to be iterated on there was a system in place that needed to be updated or upgraded and maybe in a way everybody realized this i mean your parents your sister and yourself and then at some point your parents made this conscious choice together like in in like a you know yeah like having a buddy to do it instead of like maybe just one parent choosing to stay or something it may have been harder but to do that together like having that model that you were able to observe in real time so close to home is amazing and i i feel like the stuff i'm dealing if i'm dealing if i'm cons- if i'm calling myself or labeling myself as selfish and reckless financially with what i'm dealing with right now I don't want to necessarily sit here and blame like, well, I had no good modeling of how to be financially astute. I had, you know, my dad disappear for his reasons. And then I had my mom, to her credit, be like a superwoman and like, you know, raise us through adolescence, paying for everything, no child support. Um, As an artisan, as like a skilled artist, like a, you know, a pearl weaver necklace creator. Um that was her craft, like handcrafted stuff. So I recognize, you know, that was in a way in itself like a modeling for there is a way that you can be in the world and that people can celebrate your craft or your service. I'm just I'm still, you know, I'm turning 37 this year and I'm Gonna go through this bankruptcy soon, and I'm, I'm still gonna figure it out. Yeah. Still
0: gonna figure it out. I think more people are going through that <laughs> yeah. than we even realize. I mean, uh, yeah. my observation through social media is that a lot of people in their 20s and 30s are. I, I think that generally, gener- this generation. And you know, we're, who knows exactly? Like I know Jason and I are in different generations. But what would it? Maybe two, the most current two or three younger generations. A lot of us are experiencing that. A lot of us have this this cultural yearning to work for ourselves, to break out of that mold of the nine to five, of of the sla- the slaving away for somebody else and being unhappy. Like we're a lot of people are on a quest to live a happy life of meaning. But I think that for a lot of people as well, there's the trade-off where financially we have, it's not as stable. And it's it's becoming more and more common of like, how do we figure this out? I think that's why there's, there's a growth of things like minimalism is a very appealing to our generations. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can we strip things down to have just what we need versus all this like fluff, sure. right? And... It's really, it's an interesting thing. And so maybe it's important for us to take away that shame of like, I'm doing something wrong versus like, actually, I'm doing so many great things. Like, I I mean, part of my feeling is it's like, if as long as you and your loved ones are able to survive and thrive in most parts of your life, like, where is the shame of being in debt, or, you know, bankruptcy or whatever, like, I think it's, is, and I'm curious for you is like, is it just old, like mental self-worth things or is it actually that impo- like who cares? Like to me, it doesn't change my perception of you. I don't know if it's going to change your daughter's perception of you. Does it change your your partner's perception of you? Like like who who really cares at the end of the day? Like, does it actually matter that you're going through bankruptcy or is it just a hard on the ego?
2: It's uh, yeah, right now, because I'm still like haven't initiated the process. <laughs> It's not so much the focus is like, oh, you're going through, you're going to go through that, like, it's not so much that it's more like looking at all the choices I've made to get to this point. That's kind of what's under observation for posterity. I mean, just just so like we can, I can upgrade the system so that I don't create those kinds of variables again. I had a really unique moment that I actually shared with Jason, maybe just before 2019 ended, where I just had this like crazy, like Matrix level awareness of, um, like coming face to face with like I think I need to consider bankruptcy as an option because I am in deep shit financially, um, and I suddenly saw the intense parallel for myself with. On one hand, I have the really strained relationships with both my parents, one of which I'm in contact with, one of which I'm not. So that's like, I want parents in my life. I want love, admiration, validation, celebration. I want those things like anybody else would. But I'm not going to get those things as I want them. I'm not going to get them on my terms. I may receive them on conditions. So there's that realization. So there's that awareness of I'm I don't I don't get I'm not getting the validation I want from my from my family, my parents, and I I suddenly mirrored that with I'm not getting the validation I want from the world and like how I'm in service or what what I do in the world. Like I'm I was a musician and a visual artist and this like autodidact, anti academic, like pioneering my own sort of trailblazing my own path. Um, and then into UX, and then watching UX crumble in real time, um, or watching really like industries like like tech trip on itself in real time because of the the shifting nature of like the marketplace and how like the gig economy is not just like in one place. It's like it's kind of taken over like every industry, everywhere. when companies are like, oh, we don't need to bring on people full time and pay benefits. We can just like hire independent contractors and then the value of the role goes down and there's fewer roles and everybody's eating each other like sharks. It's another tangent. But so like re- recognizing like everything I had chosen to some degree is like a failure or some misadventure. And so that mirror of I don't get the validation and love I want from my parents and I'm not getting, I'm not working, I'm not interacting with the world as a service provider, as someone who, does what I do, and then no one's like hiring me. Nobody wants to hire me or give me money or those that kind of like it became so real like the mirror, like seeing those parallels that like that's what I'm like actively like a crazy like <laughs> knot of like, okay, I'm gonna just delicately, you know, and finding the ways to do that with whatever resources I have, you know, like when I can afford therapy again, I'm going to go pay for therapy. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like I, I don't know if I answered what you just asked, but that's like, that's what I'm grappling with really. The core of it right now is like that, that parallel. I think it comes down to at least
1: what Whitney, the Whitney, the question Whitney posited and what you just answered, Adam, is is I think a longer discussion, at least how I'm interpreting what you both just examined of our opinion and our perspective of who we think we are. Mm-hmm can that be self-referential or is it always based on comparison in the sense of, I feel shameful. I feel guilty. I'm not making enough money because I ought to, because whatever, I'm a white male in the Western world, blah, 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 all these reasons we concoct for making ourselves feel like shit or all the reasons that we might not even be aware of why we, we beat ourselves up for not having enough, doing enough, being, I mean, to, to me, I guess what it, what it evokes in me is the, the not enoughness conversation and, how I don't think that that can exist in a vacuum. It's 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 if I'm completely self-referential, which being in modern society, I don't think that's possible. There's some element of ought to, should, ought to be this, ought to have this, based on because Jimmy, Jack, Joan, and, and Jill have all this stuff and I don't, mm-hmm. or they they've accomplished this, and and I th- I think so much of our pain is based on comparison or what our parents or society or religion or media tells us we ought to have, you know? And, and to me, it's, I guess my point is, it's always this question of how can we be more autonomous and sovereign in carving, you said, uh, you know, trailblazing our path and saying, I have this mission, this goal, this dream, this passion that is motivating me and I don't give a good goddamn what anyone else thinks. You know I mean? I mean the literal interpretation of the Lao Tzu quote of, you know, care what other people think and you'll always be their slave. Mm. I mean, it seems that our media and our rampantly out of control, consumerist, capitalist society is thriving on this of, you know how we're going to sell people stuff? Constantly make them believe that they're not enough. Constantly give them mirrors of comparison. And I think it goes back to this minimalism comment, Whitney, you brought up of, can we shed these layers of thinking we need things outside of ourselves We have to be something we need a title we need the the perfect number of followers and we need this amount of money i mean to me it's just feeding this hungry ghost constantly that we're as people who want to become more self-aware and conscious and awaken to our own bullshit and the bullshit that's been inserted into us as programs to fight i use the word fight because to, to me it feels constantly like i'm fighting against that the programs the conditioning the comparison the media the out of control greedy cap i mean all this stuff is just like boy I guess the point I'm trying to make is I honor all of us in our quest to find contentment and peace and be more self-referential and be more sovereign and be more self-motivated in a world that is encouraging us to be anything but ourselves. I truly believe that. And I say that in a world because um, for people to be sovereign and self-referential and free, you you don't sell people a lot of shit like that. You know, I mean to be honest, it's it's like people are like, I'm good. <clears throat> which I don't actually, need much, which is right. I don't now, need what you're telling me I need. Right. I don't need to be the thing you're telling me I need to be. I mean, <laughs> sovereign free people are very dangerous people in, in the sense of you have a liberated being yeah. who's like, I don't need any of this stuff. They're like, well yeah you do. No, actually I don't. Yeah. yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And I mean I that's part of my quest is to liberate myself mentally in that sense. Truly it is. And it's it's hard. Fucking work.
2: This is ironic to actually what I'm like really focusing on right now as a service provider in the world. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, I've seen what's happened in tech and I'm just like, damn, that really is not gonna work for me. What can I do? So I've made a 360. I didn't, I'm not like walking away from tech, like I'm, you know, and I'm really into aspect like living and figuring out how minimalism can work for me and my family. But I'm, I, right now I'm pivoting in a weird way of like making this 360, coming back to tech companies and talking about digital wellness Mm -hmm. and digital minimalism and saying, um, we need to talk about the fact that we are increasingly getting, we're we're being driven crazy by the amount of information we're inundating ourselves with and workflows and productivity and deadlines and so on and so forth. And needing that, needing the validation that we need, within certain age groups from social media. We need to talk about slowing down. And I wanna help you tech companies slow down. How are we gonna do that? Well, we can do it over this tea modality, this tea ceremony or tea, t- I mean, depending on who I'm speaking to, I'll use tea ceremony or use a tea tasting or a tea workshop. I don't wanna to go too woo-woo on some people and I want to, and I want to embrace woo-woo with other people. But so like I'm offering you the service the opportunity to like like take time away from it not that we need to like go move to like a farm in montana but we need to like we need to like get a grip on it that's that's my passion and it's like i mean how do you quantify or like value that that's what's really funny that was my
1: question is is is, say a, a google snapchat whatsapp whomever you know you you have these tech contacts from you, your UX experience and living in Los Angeles you know downtown in Venice we have a, a bevy of high powered you know billion dollar tech companies you mm-hmm. know for someone who's sitting down at a meeting with you Adam and like cool um, and that's gonna benefit my employees and my culture how like what well, would you we, like you I, know what I'm saying like I like think a it's actually
0: of- right now we're on the verge of more and more companies integrating wellness mm-hmm. I mean it's it's a demand, especially because their workforce in the tech world is mainly comprised of people 40 or like between 20 to 40, right? Like that's a lot of employees are are that age and a lot of those employees are very aware and more conscious and more tuned into well-being and they're, you know, they're being exposed to all this, they're going to start to demand more wellness resources for themselves within the company. But then their users as a result will as well. I mean, I've been studying TikTok a lot and TikTok, one of their main things on their website is about using TikTok for good. And TikTok is like doing campaigns around the environment and well-being and animals and all of these things, right? So these companies are well aware of it. And they might actually not have enough people like yourself, Adam, that are specializing. So I actually think you are poised right now to offer that. And if you don't do it now, there's going to be a wave of people doing it in the next few years. So this is like the perfect time
2: it feels like a it feels like a a critical mass type of a moment i mean especially like with the panel that we did the other week and meeting uh (laughs) meeting tommy uh, from from brick for the first time in in person because i only discovered him and his work through instagram i love what he's doing the message that he's putting out there and and the the exercises and the interaction and the the, the work that he's doing in terms of like setting up like phone free events sometimes they're weekends he's going to be doing his first like a small plug to brick but like he's, they're doing their first uh, international trip like go to costa rica and like help preserve the population of like these amazing like giant tortoises anyway it sounds phenomenal like it sounds like to me it's like yeah, there's, there's, like a, there's a calling because I'm like, because I do, because what do I want to do? I want to relate to people. I want to help people by making them feel comfortable to be themselves as they are. I do that through tea. I've been doing it through tea for over, for 10 years, but to do it in the name of digital wellness. I think is a really unique moment right now and that's that's another thing about our age range you know being the predominant like uh, workforce population is like that the, the turnover rate's really high they may feel overworked or like mm-hmm. completely cuckoo in the startup They're like well I'm going to leave next year anyway I'm going to cash out and leave and so that turnover rate then is also what caused this predominance of independent contractors anyway as opposed to like full-time workers so there's this like strange interconnected like madness that's going on because we're letting this run rampant, and like we can, I'm, I love technology. I'm not saying like I'm anti-anti-tech. I use it, you know, like like anybody else does. And I'm aware of my own like tech addiction as well. But well,
0: that's another big thing. Is what's interesting is I obviously we're using technology more than ever, mm. and especially the younger generations. And so. There is a need for heightened awareness and tools within technology, mm-hmm. right? Like right now on my iPhone, I can set it to alert me to minimize my usage of applications. Mm-hmm. But even though I'm, I'm very aware of my tech usage, it's a huge part of my life is consciousness, well-being, personal development, psychology. I study these things every day and yet... I am so tempted to sit down and be on TikTok for at least a half an hour at a time. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I know I'm spending that much time on TikTok is because I have those alerts set up. So mm-hmm. every 15 minutes, my phone will say, your 15-minute time is up, mm-hmm. you know? And I can press the button that says, no, I'd like more time, please. Mm-hmm. And I, my new challenge is monitoring myself and being aware but how about somebody who's not as aware how about somebody who doesn't study this as much as I do right like it's really a pleasure trap because the reason that we're using a lot of this technology is the amount of pleasure it gives us I mean TikTok is addictive and this is huge for the younger generation so I mean TikTok could benefit from someone like you Adam to come in and help them build in within the app more tools to keep people aware Hmm. And then to Jason's point, they might not have that because part of their structure and Facebook and a lot of these platforms, they're designed to keep you on the app for as long as possible. That's how they make money. But as the three of us are very well aware, there is a way to make money in anything. So actually, I think ultimately it serves these apps, these tech companies to find a way to have a balance where they can make money, but also help people's well-being. Because the, in the long run, if people become... You could swing to the opposite end and be like brick where people are like, I don't want to be on my phone at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or I want to take a 30-day digital detox mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Like People are starting to go to the extremes. So if they can find balance and use technology in a way that doesn't harm them but allows them to use it
2: that's where someone like you could really come in taking more quality unstructured time away from it that's what it is because I think we're all too focused on like structuring time
0: I think and I think ultimately Mm. what people need is not only the awareness but like you're saying that structure and they would probably be more open to be using a platform like TikTok if TikTok was like hey You've spent enough time on here. I'm going to shut it down. You're not going to be able to use the app for a little bit. Go take some time. If they were forced out of it by TikTok, as Mm -hmm. opposed to encouraged to spend hours and hours, it's an issue. I mean, people actually on tiktok are posting about how much they use it. They're aware, just like me. A lot of people are aware that they're overusing these apps, so they need the support for if they they felt like the apps were on their side versus against them. It could really be a game changer. I would love
2: for any one of these like TikTok or like Netflix to like try out even in a specific market, like let's say like a city like LA or SF or New York or something. Try out baking in one feature of like, "Hey, you've watched you've binge watched whatever six episodes of so-and-so um here is we've we there's this event happening close to you like here's like a i don't know a food fest or here's smorgasbord or here's the broad has this exhibit happening like yeah.
0: Like a go, go check that out. event, and then
2: we'll be here when you you know when you come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like What if it was like a concierge kind of an experience? I
0: think maybe this is your calling, Adam. I well, want to encourage you to do something like this because I I think that that there is a big need. It's a growing need, and, and they, if if you don't do it, somebody else listening might be like, Hey, that's a great idea. You know, it's <laughs> Adam, I'm ge- Adam, I'm giving you a few months, bud, and if you don't if you don't get this <laughs> done, I'm gonna do it. <laughs>
1: Fire under the ass lit. <laughs> not that you needed it, Doctor, exactly. not that you needed it. Um, I, I think though the, the overall thing that I'm excited about right <coughs> now is um, as we wrap up this idea that you know, te- technology is not this evil bad thing much like anything else, it's just human nature. It, it's it's you know it truly is. And, and Whitney brought up the pleasure trap, which is an amazing yeah. book by Alan Goldhammer and Doctor Doug Lyle. That yeah. this underscores that yeah. um, we are looking for the highest reward possible with the least amount of effort. And of course, they focus on caloric units of energy. But if we're talking about dopamine, if we're talking about cortisol, if we're talking about adrenaline, you know, we can also become addicted to stress. We can be addicted to outrage on the internet. We can become addicted to feeling bad. We can be Come addicted to so many things that you know. Awareness is just one part of it. Action and contouring behavior and and you know restructuring our neural brain chemistry that takes effort. So I think the part that I'm excited about in this conversation is is we're discussing the awareness of it. But as we go through this and use technology, how can we do it in a much more responsible, conscious way and contour our behavioral patterns so that we spend more time with humans talking about this stuff in person. And I think that's one lovely thing that. I've loved about your tea ceremonies for the last 11 years that I've been indulging in them is it's time to just be with yourself be with other people and have a genuine connected human experience where we're touching we're connecting we're looking each other in the eye and and there's a call in our society for more of that now for a litany of reasons culturally for people of different backgrounds cultures races religions regardless of their differences to sit down at a damn tea table or a meal together mm-hmm. and just be and it's so simple but it's so profound because of all those factors right now in our society.
2: I think that's the magic about tea in general. This is, I'll just end. I mean, I feel like, feel like we're at a concentrated Crescendo. moment. Yeah, <laughs> an out like a coda moment. Coda. I feel like I don't want to say f- tea versus food because food is sensual and lovely, and yet it's easy to like do this, and then you start to get distracted. That's why I love tea ceremony. It's 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 so nuanced that I'm like. I actually don't, I have no impetus to reach for it. And that's almost like a weird built-in, like, feel safe about tea ceremony. It's like, because it is a meditative experience, a moving meditation, but it's also sensual. And the fact that it's, you're feeling your body, you're sitting, you're you're experiencing aromas, you're experiencing flavors, and you're you're experiencing your palate changing from steep to steep, because it's a re-steeping, you know, multiple steep type experience the fact that it not that it prohibits you reaching for your phone but you don't really feel like you're going for that even though in full you know transparency you know tea is a very visually appealing thing and so like yeah i can instagram the shit out of my tea experience as well for a marketing or promotional purpose but the very nature of it is that it is a highly reverential you know like zoom in suddenly like things just kind of there's here and then there's everything else and that's what i'm constantly fascinated by in terms of sharing it with people Mm. it's beautiful
0: it also made me think about how at one of the google headquarters in la they Mm. have a tea shop or um it's not a shop it's a tea cafe really and it's you walk in and you feel like you're transported and so they have loose sleeve teas, and you can get lattes, and they have little rooms, and lighting's dim, and cushions, and all these. So maybe, Adam, this is an opportunity for you to fuse the two together tech and tea. You know, mm. whether you're going in and physically doing tea ceremonies at tech companies or, or finding ways to encourage more people to, to learn about tea and experience tea and the mindfulness that comes along with it, I think that's a beautiful gift. Because your knowledge about tea is fascinating to me. I mean, we didn't even talk about that today. Mm-hmm. Oh my
1: god! Yeah, we didn't go down uh, that route. My mm-hmm. god.
0: We you started started it off behind the scenes with a cup of tea that you brought, and it's just it transformed me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I think um, coffee is so big right now, but tea is is not nearly as recognized unless you you're somebody who's who's really into tea. I don't meet a lot of tea lovers personally. You know, I don't know a, a lot of people that. Yesterday, a, a very knowledgeable friend of mine didn't even know what jasmine tea tasted like. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what do you mean? You don't know what jasmine tea tastes like? But he smelled
2: jasmine tea, right? He smelled... Right. I mean, yeah, that's so
0: interesting.
2: That's what's lovely about like coffee next to tea is like coffee's like analytical like mm-hmm. front facing and then tea is just like it's so it's always on the down low and it's been on the and it will continue to be on the down low but
0: you never know it could, it could the have been blend, uprising. like
2: bringing bringing the whole like i think coffee is really a great example because it's like coffee is experiencing this like craft coffee analog like lovely awareness from people and tea has always been always been that way too you know so I'll leave it at that. Okay.
0: It's a good good note to end on. Well, Damn. anybody who would like to learn more about you? and your work on instagram on the internet maybe they want to maybe somebody listening wants yeah. to hire you to develop some amazing wellness tech
2: just go tech,
0: uh, fusion
2: just go to the site images of t dot xyz images of t dot that's your site that's my site
0: i didn't know that that's mm-hmm.
2: very and also
0: did you know that you yeah said? i did but also but him <laughs> saying
1: it you said that with such a lilt that was almost musical images of t uh, x y z. xyz <laughs> In, is t, dot x, y, Like it's very. I saw the XYZ domain. I was like, why not? Wow. That sounds it's very. Nice. I like that. And nice. on, on Instagram, it's uh, AdamYasmin underscore. Yes. You can find his incredible imagery and philosophy regarding tea and mindfulness.
0: And um, if you would like to see a visual of Adam, A, the photo will be on our website, which is w e l l e v a t r W E L L E V A T R.com. Mm-hmm. Go to the podcast section. And if you'd like to see the video of this, you can go to Patreon, which is where we post all of the videos, the behind the scenes, where you can get a visual experience.
2: And all of my Wario glory.
0: Yes. As well (laughs) as your beautiful (laughs) teacup from Swell.
2: Yeah, it's a great bottle.
0: And yeah, well, thank you so much for listening or for watching. If you are on Patreon. And thank you so much, Adam, for being here. Thank today. you for having me. We appreciate you. I, I feel very calm and yet mentally stimulated from this conversation. <laughs> and I hope the listener does as well. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to WellEvator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R rcom